I got I got to get you in the, in the right time frame this morning for this, because if not, a lot of it really doesn't make sense when you really think about it and study it. So first thing I want you to do is just just erase your normal mindset of every book of scripture and every book you read is written in chronological order because it's not. We, we understand that. And here's why it's important. Let me give you maybe the review will kind of also help us with understanding why this is important, because what we've just studied over the last couple of weeks especially last week, is that Judah's now got the greatest deliverance probably ever recorded in Scripture. 185,000 wiped out at just that, that angel that came in and took care of business and, and nothing else. The, the Assyrian power that had been making its way through the region, conquering, pillaging, uh, taking whatever they wanted, exporting people and, and all this stuff. They, they've made it through the northern kingdom of Israel and, and they even get to some trash talking uh, in chapter 18 where they say, no, where's all the gods of all these other countries? We so awesome. Like, where are they at? They couldn't stop us. Your God can't stop us. We're going to keep on moving through this. And, and he lists all these gods and these places and, and all this stuff. And, and he, you know, let's, he tries to strike fear. We talked about that with the enemy, trying to strike fear into us sometime. And they set their sights on Judah and Jerusalem and they're moving forward that way. But we got a chapter 19. And I just want to read a, a quick thing from last week for those of you who weren't in so you can understand. Why we gotta backtrack before we move forward. Second Kings 19, 32 through 37. Hezekiah determines to trust God, and of course God doesn't fail when you trust him. So here's what it says. Therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to this city and shoot an arrow there or come there before it and shield and throw up a siege map against it. By the way that he came and by the Shema he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend this city. Isn't that awesome when God's talking about you? I wasn't supposed to really go into these verses because they were last week, but you just can't, you can't read that and not like feel a little bit of excitement of how awesome would it be if God was speaking that about me? Do you not think he speaks that against you or about you to the enemy? This is what he says. I'm going to defend this city. I'm going to save it for my own sake because they're my people for my servant David's sake. Then it happened that night as the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Men rose in the morning. Behold that all were dead. So y'all's little, we talked about last week, y'all's little fat baby angels. I know, I know some of you have them. I know you have pictures of them all the time and you share and all that. And you got this little fairy tale picture about what angels look like. And I just want to blow that out the water because you're not going to tell me little fat cherub angel flew down, wiped out 185,000 warriors. And it went back and sat on the, the golden gates like you guys, people always trying to picture and, and played the harp. You get what I'm saying? Like, like if we're going to be honest about scripture, there's some things we got to go ahead and come to terms with that probably aren't the way our little mind likes to picture them a lot of times. And if there's ever a chapter, a verse, and an idea that blows out some of our ideas about stuff, it would be a scene where an angel flies down. And takes care of 185,000, not men, not women, warriors. He's not coming to fight like the JV squad. He's coming to fight the big boys, the varsity squad. And he wipes the floor with them so that when they get here in the morning, everybody is just dead. So the king of Assyria, because he was so brave, he ran away. That's what it says. I'm sorry, let me read it the right way. So he woke up and departed. It doesn't say he was scared. I, I had, that was my version. I'm sorry. And there he stayed and lived in Nineveh. It came about that as he was worshiping the house of, of his God, we talked about this last week, he had picked on God's 
fool about your God can't protect you, da da da. He goes to his own God, and while he's in the house of his own God, he dies by the sword, just as God predicted. Thank God's got a great sense of humor sometime with the way some of these things go, right? Truly, probably one of the most unlikely, spectacular moments. I told my wife, and I told some of y'all last week, the greatest battle that never happened. Everybody was dressed up for battle. Everybody was flexing muscles. Everybody was ready. And then God just sent one angel to come on in and take care of business. So the battle never actually took place. We're reminded of verses where if God before us, who could be against us? And then we get to this week. A whole different kind of story. You almost scratch your head and you're like, what? No, like, how does this story fall in line with what's going on? Biggest note you can take right now, I promise, even if you're not a note taker, write it in your scripture, star and highlight it, because it's not in order. Very important. I'm serious. You need to understand, like, it's not in order. Because when you read it, you're like, oh, man, Hezekiah ended his life miserably. No, he didn't. And I'll prove it. Look at what it says. It's almost like this. This is the way I kind of picture it. You know, I believe God instills man and, and gives them the, the idea of writing scripture. It's God's word, but obviously man had to write it, correct? We, we can agree on that. I think the writer of Kings was getting into it. And I'm going to talk about him at the end why he's so passionate. And I think he was getting into it and he was writing all this stuff and, and he was so excited about everything. And he's writing and he put that Donald chapter 19 and he went to write chapter 20. I'm, I'm just kidding. They didn't write the verses and chapters, okay? But, 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 but he's doing that and God's like, hold on. Was that one thing I did not cool enough to make it into the word forever? And he's like, oh, but God, we don't have a printing press and we, we I don't have a typewriter. So I'd have to go back and rewrite everything to put it in order. And God was like, just add it on chapter 20. <laughs> not really what happened, but I, but I do wonder, like after after he wrote about all this stuff, did he get this point? And he's like, man, that that was too cool not to write about. You know what I'm saying? Like that was too cool of a moment and a, and a thing that happened that, that I've got to write about it. And he goes back and writes about it. And just to prove, some of you thinking, this sounds like your opinion. It, it's not my opinion at all. Really, I didn't even understand that until more recent time in, in my walk with the Lord. Verse 6. My favorite verse, but I don't want to get into it yet, so I'm, I'm going to contain I'm going to contain it down for a little while just to prove a point, right? I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Very cool. I will deliver you from this city and from the hand of the king of Assyria. Is that not what God promised in verse 6? Well, if he promised that in verse 6, and in chapter 18 and 19 is when they took care of Assyria, how is chapter 20 in chronological order? I just want to make sure you guys understand what I understand. I tell you all the time, don't take my word for it. And that doesn't mean take your opinion for it either. That just means take scripture for it. All right. Look at the scripture. Look at what it says. It says, I'm going to deliver. I'm going to save you. You're not going to die. But I'm also on top of that. I'm going to take care of the Assyrians. So if this was chronologically in order, what in the world is God talking about? Wouldn't King Hezekiah be like, Lord, the Assyrians are already dead. You know what I'm saying? So does this, this proves that it's not in order, right? A little bit deeper in case that wasn't enough words. You didn't seem to really fully get it. So how about verse 13? Verse 13, it says, Hey, God, listen to them. And, and I don't want to get into it either because there's a big lesson there too. But it says that he brought all these guys that had come to see him and he showed them his little room full of gold. Right? He's so proud of it and he's such an idiot. You can tell Hezekiah ain't never. You ever met somebody who talks a lot of smack but ain't never been in a fight? Like never been in a real fight. You know, they might even be big, they might even be strong, but you can tell they ain't never been popped in the nose, and they ain't never popped nobody else in the nose. 
And I, and I say it because this. Here, here, Hezekiah brings these guys in and he's showing them everything. Could you imagine bringing a robber into your house and just showing him where you hit everything? Man, let me show you this gun's safe. Oh, this is where we hide that other gun. Guys, knows what I'm doing. They got a couple guns in there. Just one at their house, I think, because it's just a shotgun for hunting. Right. Oh, but, you know, guns are evil. Don't do them, right? So, so, so he's got that, and he's showing them everything. This where I hide this gold. This is where I got this. This is where I got that. I'm sorry. I got off track. I'm just supposed to be proving to you that this proves it's not in chronological order. So I told you to mess it up, right? Uh, in chapter... 18 at the end of it, and, and I think a little bit beginning to 19. I get mixed up because I don't pay attention to the verses and stuff as much as I should. That sounds bad, right? D- didn't he like have to go around collecting all the gold to pay off somebody? To the point where he was so scared he went and scraped the pillars of the church doors and, and, and everywhere else to, to collect all this? Well, if that cat is that broke in chapter 18 and 19, how in the world that cat was somebody a room full of gold in chapter 20? Oh, yeah. So now it makes sense it's not in chronological order. I need you to understand it's not in chronological order because some of the blessings that come with it. And if you don't catch it right, you're going to be thinking, this is just a weird written Right? But but it's not in chronological order, okay? So this stuff occurred before Hezekiah sent all the gold to this king and tried to bribe him. This, this occurs before the battle with the Assyrians and all this stuff. This is not a chronological in order story. And that's okay. Right? There ain't no verse that says, and thus saith the Lord, everything must be in order as it is written. No. Right? He's a God of order, but it doesn't mean all this stuff has to be in order. All right? So are we in agreement? All right. Now I can start. Only a 14-minute intro. You're good, right? Look at, look at verse 1. Chapter 20 opens. In those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. You guys know what terminally means? You're going to die. It means, it means the situation has no hope. Right? And, and it says the prophet Isaiah came and said to him, this is what the Lord says. You know, have you ever been sick? There's a couple of people that come to your hospital sometime to see you. Some of them's family and you're like, they come in because they got to. Right? Like, you know, they just, they, let's just be honest, right? Might even be a church member. They come in because they feel spiritual or whatever, and they want to do it, right? But when the doctor comes in the room, or when the pastor comes in the room, your attention is gotten, right? Because if the doctor comes in, he's about to say something kind of important, good or bad. Isaiah's the prophet, the spokesman for God. It's one thing to get bad news from a friend, a spouse, reading it, experiencing it. But when the spokesman for God comes in and says, this is what the Lord says, you better get your house in order because you're about to die. Evidently, he didn't go to seminary and learn proper pastoral condolences and how to say it with any ease, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. He just rolls in there and Mike drops it on top of his head. You gone, bro. Get your stuff in order. Now, now here's you got you got to stop for just a minute on verse one and understands this. This this is not Isaiah coming to deliver a prophecy. This is Isaiah coming to deliver a warning. And you can see it by the way he says it. He says, you're going to die. Therefore, get your house in order. The warning is this. And we don't all get this warning. You better start thinking about how you've been living and what you're leaving behind. 
And any man that can prepare himself for death would do well to examine the truth of his commitment, the truth of his obedience, the truth of his walk, and just thinking in general about, is my house really in order? Like, what what does happen when I die? Who is going to take care of this? Who is going to do this? Who is going to do that? He gets a terminal diagnosis. And maybe your terminal diagnosis isn't death itself for your life. Maybe you've been in a terminal situation with a, with a relationship, with a job. And getting the news of it's over and ain't nothing you can do about it doesn't feel too good. Right? So you got to get yourself in Hezekiah's mindset, man. He He's laying in bed. He thought he just had a cold. And God's spokesman come in and be like, man, you ain't going to make it. This is it. You're finished. Now, I don't know this for sure because we don't get a good timeline of how old everybody is and all that. But possibly, some people believe this before he had uh, any of his sons. So maybe he's laying there, what's going to happen to the kingdom? Maybe his sons are little and he still wonder what's going to happen to the kingdom. Maybe he knows because we're going to go from the greatest guy who trusted God, by the way, to the worst king they ever had. Maybe he knows there's no way I can leave it to that idiot. He ain't mean enough. I don't know all his thoughts, but but I imagine as he's laying there and he gets this, he's thinking all that. Then verses two and three says that then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Maybe he couldn't get up and go to his prayer closet. So he had a wall, a, a, a prayer wall. And it says he prayed to the Lord Yahweh in verse three. Please. Please, Lord, just remember how I've walked before you faithfully. Hold, hold on. I, I got to stop because because if it's me, you know, I get to do funerals sometime and they make my brain go because because I, I always I like this story sharing times. I think that's good for remembering a life and celebrating a life. Right. So I always wonder, like, what would be said about me during that moment? Right. You know, would my wife get up and be like, you know, he sucked as a husband. Would my kids get up and be like, well, he sucked as a father too. Would Jeremiah jump up and be like, you guys should have worked with him. You know, I mean, how, how bad could the, could that moment have been or how good? So like Hezekiah, I start playing through my mind, like all my, all my things in life. And, and I think as Hezekiah is doing that, here's what's awesome. Hezekiah has lived so faithfully, so much trust. But as he turns and starts playing to the wall, notice he's not talking to the man no more. Sometimes we just we just take bad news. Why? You ever been given bad news? Let me make sure I can relate with somebody in the room before we. You ever been given bad news? I don't know. You got you got the disease. You, you your husband, leaving you, your wife leaving you. Somebody been cheating on you. Your bank account's empty. You're getting fired. Uh, the drug dealer's looking for you. Um, you didn't pay your tab. They're gonna collect your car. They're cutting off your lights. I don't know what kind of bad news you be getting, but you ever got like bad news? Why do sometimes do we get bad news and we just take it? Oh well, they're gonna cut the lights off. I guess I'll sit in the dark. <laughs> Well, she slept with my best friend. I guess now I'll just sleep by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just get bad news and we just roll with it. Doctor said there ain't nothing they can do, so I'm just going to sit here till I die. In my rocking chair doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Hezekiah don't do that. He gets bad news from the Lord, by the way. So, like, that's like the ultimate rock drop, right? 
Like when you get bad news that way, that is it. And he still don't just do that. He starts thinking. He said, I got to get my house in order. And then as he's thinking, he's like, hold on, Lord. Wait just a minute. Seriously, think about it. As he's thinking, this is what he's got to be saying, right? He said, wait just a minute, Lord. Do you remember how I walked with you? Do, do you remember how faithful and wholehearted I've been with you? Do you remember that I've only done what pleases you? Now, before y'all all jump and you're like, oh, I'm going to pray like Hezekiah and I'm going to tell all the Lord that. You better make sure it's true about you then. You know what I'm saying? Because if I think if it wasn't true, that had not been the other 20 verses in the chapter. And the Lord would have said, die, sucker. You ain't going to fool me. You know what I'm saying? Like everything he says is true. He says, God, you got some bad news for me and you got a bad report. But let me give you my credit report. Think about it. And my credit report says this. Now, you need to understand this too. Just, just a little disclaimer for real. This is Old Testament, right? Old Testament, they could give a credit report about how faithful they had been. And it not be as weird as like us bragging to God about how holy and spiritual I am, right? Because New Testament, who's all our glory go to? Y'all need y'all, yeah, y'all didn't get that. Like five of y'all got it, but I don't want five people going to heaven. I want everybody getting there. You know what I'm saying? Like when the kingdom comes and we live in, I don't want to be able to look out and say, I got five members from Brookhaven that made it to the kingdom, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like five of them. We had a hundred one Sunday, but five of them made it. Your glory goes through. All right, 15 of us is making it to heaven. <laughs> look at what he said. Look at what he says, though. I've done all this stuff that pleases you, and then he ends, and then Hezekiah just started weeping bitterly. Man. Man. Have you ever been desperate enough to admit you need a change? Right? That's kind of where he's at. Not in the same sense as probably we can relate for today, but he's so desperate that the only thing that's going to help him is some change. Have you been there? Because this is kind of who we're talking to in the beginning. Like you felt like the situation was over. You, you, you in terminal, you know, in, there's no solution. And I'm thinking like God just put you in a situation where he's the only way out. And you need to learn that. Like who've been getting you out of trouble for so you can't call mom and daddy no more. This is the king, by the way, who probably could have called the greatest doctors in the kingdom. Right. This is this is what's going on. I need you to solve my issue. If you do, I'll make sure you live well. If you don't, I'm going to tell my evil son because he's going to be one evil king after me to take care of you. Right. Like he had that authority and he had that power. I'm going to save it to verse seven. I ain't going to go there yet. Right. Or maybe another way. I kind of hinted at it a minute ago. Would you have enough credit built up to even mention to the Lord with confidence that it would phase him? Right? Like, could you imagine, like, God gave you this news and you're thinking about your life and you're like, come on, man, give me something good I can name. <laughs> and you're thinking, you're like, no, I didn't do that good. I didn't do that good. And, like, you're thinking as hard as you can think, right? And finally, you remember, like, in third grade, you shared your milk with some dude that you didn't know and you're like, God, in third grade. I shared my milk with that guy. Is that not good enough for you to let me live? And God go scratch his head and be like, third grade? Like, what you been doing 
Now, I'm not saying, please understand me, because when he says, God, I need you to remember, God didn't forget nothing either. Right? God got a good memory, okay? That's why we, we're going to see in the other two chapters, how, or we saw in the other two chapters, how we got in trouble. He's got some holes. He's got some flaws. What I can say for sure about Hezekiah is he's got spiritual consistency. Can you say that about yourself? God ain't calling you, he says, aim for perfection, but he also knows, like, you're not going to be perfect. Right? But are you spiritually consistent? Or do you just wallow into sin when you get in it? Oh, this feels so good. I love it. I'm going to try it again. We need some spiritual consistency. And I ain't talking about, like, consistency of missing church. That ain't spiritual consistency. Just because it's some spiritual inconsistency, it don't go together that way. I'm talking about spiritual consistency, like where we walk with the Lord. Like, like as we walk with the Lord, we're growing stronger. Yeah, we might slip and we might fall, but we get back up and we get back up. We take like two more steps forward. Now, you might fall one more. You know, the, the, the good illustration we had not too long ago in the men's group was, like, you know, that whole thing for repentance. You going this way and, and God's directly behind you. That repent should be here. But a lot of times we get kind of here and a little bit of here. And then we go back to here. But we're, we're constantly moving in the right direction, right? That's, that's Hezekiah. Hezekiah is spiritual consistency. And God says this in verse five. Listen at it. Now, I would love to hear. Actually, first, I got to do verse four. Because this is how fast it happens. Isaiah ain't even yet gone out of the inner courtyard. Now, you got a picture, you know, this building where he's walking out. He done, dropped, he done came in, told the king he dying. He's walking out. He's leaving. And, and, and Hezekiah didn't waste no time to start whining and to start praying. And to start remain, it said he went bitterly. He whined. They, I mean, don't, there ain't nothing wrong with that. He had some emotion. God blessed you with emotion, right? Right? But his, let me go ahead and say it now because I'm going to say it again. His emotion matched his faith. And if your faith and emotion don't match each other, you, you, it ain't going to work. Right? I'll get to that in a minute so you know where I'm at, right? But as Isaiah is leaving, says he hadn't even gone out of the courtyard yet, and a word of the Lord came back to him. Verse 5, I want you to go back and I want you to tell Hezekiah. The leader of my people. This is what Yahweh, God of your ancestors, David says. I have heard your prayer. Man, does it not feel good to know somebody's listening to you? You know what I'm saying? Like you in a bad situation. People ask me all the time, like, man, when, when you go to some of these situations, what do you tell them? I don't tell them nothing, you idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I going to tell them? I listen to them. And you be, I'm serious. You'll be amazed just how good somebody feels just has somebody to listen to. And maybe they're in a moment where they don't even want to talk. They just want to be with you. Oh, hold on. There's something about that, too. I have heard your prayer. I have I've seen your tears. He's saying, Hezekiah, I'm sitting right here with you. I'm listening to what you're saying, and, and it's lining up. Now, some of y'all would have tried to steal Hezekiah's words, and God would have said, I hear you, and you're lying. You know what I'm saying? But he says, Hezekiah, I hear you, and what you're saying is the truth. Not only do I hear you, but but I've seen your tears. You, let me see if I can word this right. You ever have somebody that can hear you but not feel you? Like they can hear. Prime time. We 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 had a little family, little little, little Fourth of July slash birthday dinner, whatever you want to call it, right? And I got a loud voice. I'm going to be heard. They might not feel me. But they're going to hear me. Right. So, so I, I was trying to show some stuff and I was getting a little ignored. So I got a little louder. And I got heard by like two other seven. Right. 
And then I realized, like, it ain't doing me no good because they're not feeling what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, and th- this is where he's at. God, God is looking at, at, at Hezekiah and saying, I not only hear you, I feel you. Don't waste your time talking to somebody who can hear you but not feel you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that don't do you no good. What kind of friends you want like that? And, and then he goes even deeper into this thing when, when we talk about and we look at this thing, right? He says he wept bitterly. So, so God heard. He felt his feelings. He wept bitterly. His tears matched up with his credit report, right? Too often, we, we all come to the altar. Now, I'm using you all as general. You ain't got to tell me at the front door. It wasn't me, Pastor, right? I don't care who it was. That's between you and the Lord. But you'll run to the altar. You'll cry. You'll whine. There'll be tears everywhere. And it won't mean nothing. And it won't do nothing. Because all you had was an emotional experience and your faith and your credit report didn't match up. Right? Let's be honest about it. Let's just go ahead and be real. Same reason sometimes y'all can fake it and worship. Which, which by the way, I, I, I was going to go into it for a long time. I want you to understand because of what happens in chapter 18 and 19. Right? He's got more written about him than any of the other good kings in this book right here as far as in this section. And he's got chronicles and all. Right? He did a lot of good stuff with his 15 years. They wasn't all just a worship service where they sing and wave hands. He lived a lifestyle of worship. You understand the difference? Like when you say, God, I'm going to worship you. Like I can say it this way. If, if God, I said it earlier in the prayer, and I, and I got to be careful saying it because it's not like a, a for sure kind of thing. But if I can say God had a weakness, it would be a weakness for worship. God desire, he tells us, I desire to be worshiped. Like Hezekiah, I could go into it for a little bit more, but just briefly, Hezekiah thinks death is the end. He'd be kind of like the Sadducees. You remember in the New Testament, they thought, oh, you died, and, and, and it was over. Like, he didn't understand. When you got to the kingdom, it just began. Right? And that's okay. That theology ain't made it to him yet, so he's not bad against it. He's just in his understanding. He's saying, God, if I die, who's going to praise you? You know you know what I'm saying? And I picture Jesus coming in, if he could, right? It is just my corrupt head, man. I picture Jesus walking and be like, you didn't praise me, the rocks will praise me, fool. Like, read the New Testament. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't do that, though. Because God, God hears and God feels with us, right? But, but think about this. So this, this is his, his mindset right here. And we often go to God with these emotions and these tears, but we, we forget all the rest. His feelings match his faith. So, so I need that. Does your feelings match your faith? Because it doesn't do you no good to wave a hand in the air because the crowd sees you if you're not waving a hand because the spirit doesn't grab you and try to pick you up. Some of y'all thinking the spirit going to grab me? Yes. Huh? It, it can happen. Right? Don't, don't, don't be too scared if it happens, right? But the other part of it is this right here. We need to understand this. How many of you tried to go buy a house or a car? This, this, this was kind of cool, I thought, right? They ran you. Marty's the newest. He closes the next week, right? Marty, they. You close the next week. I'm saying it, right? So think about it this way. They ran your credit report, didn't they? Obviously, it was pretty decent because you closed it, right? Everybody's like, how much money you got? And they, Ain't none of y'all's business. Y'all missing the illustration, right? Now, what if they'd have ran that credit report and they'd have said, oh, man, you just started building credit yesterday. That ain't enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't change your, you can change your credit report, thank God, but you can't start building your credit the day you need it. You think Hezekiah rolled over and he's like, Lord, I'm going to praise you right now. He had, the, he, had the, he had the authority to be able to say, God, I've been praising you. I've been praising you like nobody else can praise you. 
I've been surrendering to you. I've been living to you. I've been moving to you. I struck down all the high temples. I got the temple back. You know, he, he can list some of that stuff that he did and be proud about it. But, but you better than building up your credit all along. Because if not, you're going to get some bad news from the bank when they call you and they'll be like, hey, you ain't got no credit built up with us. Could you imagine God? Now, this is, this is, this is kind of, you know, when we talk about credit, I'm talking about faith credit, right? Could you imagine God looking at like, you? You ain't got no faith credit. You ain't got no trust credit. You ain't trusted me in you. You ain't trusted me since third grade when you gave the milk carton away. You know what I'm saying? But like, look at what he does. And, and then God, he gave God something to hear. God heard. He gave something. He said, gave something. He gave something for God to feel. Now, now this was kind of my personal thing, but I want to share with you. I think we often neglect God's feelings. I, I'm being serious. And what I mean by that is this, because some of you are thinking, God's feelings? God can feel? Yeah, what does he write sometimes? I was overwhelmed with joy. So he must have feelings, right? Or when he says, you angered me, right? That means he got feelings, right? So so he's got feelings and he's able to reach. So he didn't only reach God's ears, he reached God's heart. Some of y'all think you can yell loud enough to reach the ear and you ain't going to reach God's heart because God, God ain't listening with his heart the same way he listens with his ears. Right? It's got to be a different kind of connection. Huh? And look at this thing. God changes his mind. Now that to me, that's kind of I don't know about anybody else in the room, but that's kind of like that, that that fine line of a, of a, of a theology argument right there. Hold on. God changed. Clearly. Right. Now, notice he doesn't change his nature. He doesn't change who he is. He doesn't even change the diagnosis. Because guess what happens in 15 years? He dies. Right? Because some people will be reading this and they'll be like, oh, God doesn't change it all like it was a lie. No, he still dies. Okay? What God changes is his action. So no, God's nature can never change, but God can change his action. He does it, right? Yeah, he does it in some others. What, what, he even makes promises to prove that he could change it. What did he tell, what did he tell some of the, some of the people? If you can go back to that city and find five good people. This is ain't but 15 of them making it to heaven from Brookhaven. Just go to Brookhaven and see if you can find number 16. If you can find number 16, right? I save them all. So, 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 so his action can change. That's okay. But look at how, look at how this changes, man. Oh, I love this part, man. This little section right here got real big for me when I realized something, especially on the time. Remember the time. Verse six. I will add 15 years to your life. Now, I don't know if you've ever been given a bad report, whether we're talking relationship, a job. Maybe you got maybe it's a job when it ain't got to be death. Right. Maybe they tell you, hey, this job will be terminated in six months. Maybe they tell you beginning of school, we're going to have cutbacks next year. It's going to be last year. Right. So you're getting old. We need to cut you loose. You know, whatever it is. I don't know how nice they want to be about it. But that's, that's some of the news report. Right. He says, I'm going to give you 15 more years to your life. And that ain't it in verse six. That's all everybody focuses on in verse six. Verse six goes on to say, I will rescue you from this city. Remember, we're talking about time frame and from the grasp of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Huh. God gave him a promise healing, but it was not a promise just for him. Right. 
Because God also gave him, not only did God give him a promise, God gave him a purpose. He said, Hezekiah, I'm going to save you, but this ain't just 15 years where you can sit on the Xbox and drink your Coca-Colas and eat some chips, right? I'm going to save you for 15 years, and I want to see all that you can accomplish in 15 years. See, some of y'all think God done saved you from something for you. You think God done blessed you for you. God never blesses you for you. God blesses you to bless others. You, you understand that? Read scripture. Check it out. He tells him right here, like, I've given you a purpose. You're not just blessed to be blessed. You're not just blessed to get 15 more years. You're blessed to be a blessing. Right? We're we going to add to this thing right here. God's got bigger plans. That's the, that's the problem sometimes with some of the theology that goes wrong in some churches. When we talk about all this blessing and all this and all that, we think we're just getting gifts to get gifts. I, I told you before, I, I love what old Ramsey says at the end of at the end of the study. Whether, whether you like all of it or don't like all of it, whatever, you can't argue what he says at the end. He says, I want to teach you to save all the money you can save so that you can give it away like nobody else. Well, I love it. That's, like, that's a cool line. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to teach you to, to save a lot. Because I'm also going to teach you to give away a lot. He understands the principle. Like you getting blessed so that you can bless others. Right? So so, so he's got this. And I, and I hope you ain't missed. You've been blessed for that reason. If, if so, you're in trouble, right? So he gives him purpose. All right, I'm sorry. He gave him a promise. He gave him purpose. Now he gives him a prescription. And this thing's going to get deeper now. Look at the prescription. He tells him what I want you to do. Or he tells Isaiah. He says, I want you to bring a lump of figs. Didn't I just say 10 minutes ago this cat had the ability to call any doctor in the kingdom? And you mean to tell me God going to save him with some fig pumice? You, are you catching what's happening? Right? He gave him a prescription. But the prescription's normal. You catching it? Some of you ain't getting it. Y'all don't understand sometimes. A normal prescription can be something God uses to bless you with. God is not against medicine. God uses medicine, right? Everything medicine has made, they had to get from God. Sometimes y'all forget about that part of it, right? Doctors sometimes forget it too. It's okay, right? But but now the doctor's not bringing the prescription. The man of God's bringing the prescription. Because this is Isaiah, right? He says, I want you to go get it. I want you to bring it to it. So God's not against medicine. God's against medicine without him. There's a difference, right? He went to God. God gave a prescription. And sometimes I think, I think here maybe it was where we mess up. We sometimes miss some of God's biggest miracles because it's normal. It's fig pumice. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and we miss the miracle because who says God can't work through normal? Now, I know you had abnormal and he works through you, but there's some normal people that God can work through. Right? Why, why, why do we, why, I think sometimes we like, we looking for like this big moment and God's like, I, I just did it like that. Like why, why I gotta be, why I gotta be big when I can just, you know what I'm saying? Like, like how big is your God? Or how small is your God in that? If your God got to do something real big all the time to get attention, maybe he a tiny fella. My God just throw some pumice on it. Throw some pumice on it and in three days, and three days, you'd be good enough to go back to the temple. Think about that now. If I, if I, this is why I get in a lot of trouble in scripture, right? If I'm Hezekiah and be like, hold on, God, you can save me right now. I want it now. You ever seen the, the money commercial? 
This is my healing and I want it now. Right? <laughs> Hezekiah don't do that though. Hezekiah got three days to think about what he's going to do with 15 extra years. You, you understand the principle now. God said, I'm going to heal you. I'm giving you the promise. I'm giving you the purpose. I'm not just healing you so that you can have extra time. I'm healing you so that we can wipe the Assyrians off the planet. And then he's given three days to think about it all. And for three days, he probably sat there and tried to figure out what he's going to do with these extra 15 years. Right. You ever made plans? Seriously, you ever made plans? You ever made plans and they didn't go as planned? Note that down. Because Hezekiah probably, I don't know what plans he made, but he probably made a lot of good plans and then three days. But by what happens in verse 18 and 12 and 01 and what we get in Chronicles, the plans don't go as he planned. But he still comes out okay on the end. Okay? It, and let me just ask it this way before I, before I go on past this part. Is the Lord sovereign or not? I mean, do y'all really believe that? Not because it's like a principle. Oh, that's a theology agreement. We should just agree. The Lord. Do you really believe Lord is sovereign? Because Proverbs chapter 3 says, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. That means if he wanted to do a big old healing, acknowledge it. If he wanted some fig pumice, acknowledge it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you acknowledge it and all of it. So we need to stop limiting God or looking down on the normal miracles and just understand that God works in all ways because he is sovereign. Right? Okay. All right. Verse eight. Because Hezekiah is a little bit like me, right? Hezekiah asked Isaiah, what's the sign? Notice there's no doubt, though. Here's what you you, you got to understand the feeling in this section, right? Isaiah says, you're going to bring this. You're going to put it on him. The effect of skin is going to recover from it, right? By the way, we don't even know what disease Hezekiah had. We just know it was something skin related. Verse eight. Hezekiah then asked, what's the sign that Yahweh will heal me? And I will go up to the Lord's temple on the third day. What he's saying is, Pastor, I hear you. But now I need to see you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, you ever heard something and you're like, I, I want to believe it. I like to believe it. I kind of believe it. But but I need just a little bit more to see it. And I'm so glad Hezekiah, because again, difference in Old Testament, New Testament. Some of you think, well, Jesus yelled at him for asking for a sign. Yeah, but in the Old Testament, God used signs to confirm his word. So it's okay to ask God for a sign to confirm his word. It's not okay when when you ask God for a sign that's not even synced to his word. Do, do we understand the difference? Because that is probably pretty important. Yeah, Isaiah saying, look, I got your word, God. I mean, I'm sorry, Hezekiah. Hezekiah saying, I got your word. Isaiah was the deliverer of your word. I got it. But now I want it confirmed. You ever ask God to confirm something in your life? God, that's scary, ain't it? You know what I'm saying? Like that, that is only one of us ever did it. So me and Carla right now, like when you do it, you know what I'm saying, girl? Like it is crazy. Like everything, if it's that direction, everything starts confirming it. It's like God's just boom, boom, boom. You're like, God, I didn't think you believed in violence. And he's like, shut up. I'm slapping you longer. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I got to get your attention and keep it. Right. I'm serious. But on, on the same side, like you ask God for a sign and the answer is no. Or the answer is different. Everything points to it. And some of y'all thinking, man, that's such a cool coincidence. That's the dumbest word. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that ain't it. 25 cent godsidence. Right? That word's patent. If you use it, it's 25 cent. That's what I mean by that for you visitors, all right? Just being clear. Drop it in the box. 
We really need that quarter. Right? <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah's daddy Ahaz, he got in trouble for what? Not wanting to sign. So Hezekiah has learned from experience, right? It was confirmed. So here's what he says. This is cool, right? Isaiah looks at him and says, man, I'm going to give you a sign. Lord done told me what it's going to be. Matter of fact, we're going to let you pick the sign. How cool would it be if God's talking to you and he says, I'm going to let you pick the sign. Do you want the shadow? Now, picture big steps. You know what I'm saying? Like picture a beach house. You just come back from the beach, right? How many steps y'all had to walk to get upstairs? A bunch. You didn't count them? Oh, okay. So but a bunch of them. Anybody else been to the beach lately? Beach house. If you've just been camping, nah, keep your hand down. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need somebody with some money. Right? <laughs> and they leave. Now, hold on. I understand it because I'm going in August. You get to pretend for a week that you're a big timer, right? After that week, you go back to reality. Yeah. Welcome back to reality, brother. Right? <laughs> but for that week, there's a bunch of steps. Right? You're like, man, I'm walking up all these steps. Right? I'm getting to this house because there's food up there. Right? Brother did it right. He got on the boys cooking for him when he gets up there, right? Miss DJ didn't make you something good? It approved? Ah, good job, Wilson. Right? So, so, so you got all that going, so you need to picture this. And Isaiah's sitting at, at the bottom or at the top or wherever. I don't really care why Isaiah's sitting. And he asks Hezekiah, he says, hey, you want the shadow of the sun to go up the steps or down the steps? And Hezekiah, smart man, smart dude, might be an idiot when it comes to, like, opening your door for people. Right. But but he's smart in this instance. He goes. Well, it's only natural that the sun would cause the shadow to keep going out. So what would be even bigger? Remember, he don't want no normal miracle. What would be bigger and better is if you could make time stop. I'm just saying scientifically, by the way, in order for this to happen, the earth had to rotate in a different little movement because the earth goes around the sun. Right. And some people think, it was only a couple seconds. If God could pause the rotation of the earth for a couple seconds, he is one awesome fella. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's bad to the bone, right? I don't know if he did it that way or not. Don't care if he did it that way or not. As far as I'm concerned, he could have commanded just the shadow to do it. But Hezekiah said, it's natural for the shadow to go that way. I want the shadow to go the unnatural way. So God says, okay, no big deal. I wasn't saying one way was harder than the other. I was just saying, you can pick what way you want the shadow to go. And how many steps did it go up? Ten. I was reading. <laughs> I like to read. Be careful doing this. So I'm, I'm not telling you to do this, okay, unless you're very strong in your faith. I like to read a lot of the arguments against stuff in Scripture. I was reading one. Well, I was reading a couple. A couple of them is where I figured out the timeline was wrong for the chapters. But then I was reading another one, and, and the guy had his whole argument on, they didn't use sundials in that period. I said, well, I think the cavemen even had sundials, but I'm going to go with you. So I went back and checked it out. And it's the reason I got the translation up there that says the steps. Because the actual translation don't say sundial. The actual translation says of the steps. So you're going to tell me they didn't have steps back then either or what? You know what I'm saying? I'm just throwing it out there. That's what the brother wants to argue. Let him argue. Right. But I'm telling you, the scripture says the Lord made the shadow go up the steps. Right. It's, it's awesome, man. It's cool. And then it gets deeper like that. That was not cool enough. Y'all thought that was cool, right? I mean, how, how long do you think? How long did it take you to get up 10 steps at the end of the day? Not the beginning. A while. A while. You know what I'm saying? A good couple seconds. Right. 
So that's just him moving up and the shadows directly tied to the sun. How much time did God give him for daylight savings time that first year? You know what I'm saying? Like, how much was it? And, and, and then it goes. This is what I mean by it gets cooler. This, this, oh, this is it right here, right? He, he said, and, and I thought the illustration was cool, by the way, if you didn't catch it also. He gave the day more time. He gave Hezekiah more time. That, that's just kind of like added cherry on top. God's cool. He knew what he was doing, right? Here's where it gets real cool, right? Huge, 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 huge. This is, this is what's even more awesome. The timeline of the chapter. When is this chapter? In timeline? Before the Assyrians. Anybody remember who the Assyrians' main god was? The sun god. Asur. A-S-S-U-R. Y'all thought I was going to stop with just the three S's, two S's, didn't you? <laughs> thought about it, chose not to, just mentioned it so you understand where my brain is too. Right? Here's what he's doing. You got to get it. You got to get it. This is why it's so awesome. He's he's playing <laughs> with the guy who's supposed to be in charge of the son. And he told his little peon, because Hezekiah is a peon when we talk about God, right? He said, you just pick what direction you want the son to go. So he let little old man pick what direction the son's going to go. And God said, hey, Assyrians, your God is sore. Watch this. He thought he was in control of the sun. I'm just going. I wonder if he just moved the sun a couple times. You know what I'm saying? Like, chicka, 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 right? <laughs> what if he was moving it? I don't know if he did, but it'd be cool, right? This is why I would really mess up if I was God. Right. What if he was moving it the whole time he's asking? You want it to go up? You want it to go down? You want the day longer? You want the day shorter? Right? I bet all the Assyrians was like, Asura, please help us. And God said, I'm going to move it back just a little bit. Because what was Hezekiah's purpose? No, not to live longer. God don't miss that. For the glory of God. But what was he going to do for the glory of God? Hezekiah, I'm going to give you 15 more years. And in them 15 more years, I'm also going to, it's in the verse. I'm going to wipe out the Assyrians for the sake of my people. Hezekiah, you got a job to do. The job is you got to go fight that enemy. They're the biggest enemy of the timeline right now. But to give you just a little bit more confidence, I'm going to go ahead and show you I control their God. Right? To give you just a little bit more confidence to go fight what I'm telling you to go fight and go get what I'm telling you to go get, I'm going to pave the way for you. Because I'm going to control what their God is supposed to control. Might this be the trust that he was trusting in from chapter 18? You remember? Now the timeline's making more sense. You're like, how's a dude stand before thousands of soldiers ready to fight and he ain't got nobody behind him? You can do that when God done took the sun God and put him in the corner for a little while. You in time out, Asur. Right? Matter of fact, you stay in time out until I wipe the Assyrians off the planet. Might this be the trust that he was trusting in? I'm just asking. What is it that God's called you to go do, that God's called you to go fight, and he's already paid the way for you to do it? You've just been too afraid. Open your eyes and see, man, God has paved the way. He didn't just give him a sign. He gave him a relevant sign. So relevant, right? He's flat out telling him, man, I'm showing you that you're going to fulfill the job I'm calling you to do. I don't even know if it counts as faith when you walk in like that. You know what I'm saying? Like God done told you this is going to be. Right? All you got to do is believe him. Man, 
God is saying, you go against them and you can take control because I've already controlled their God. I've got this. Verse 12. Verse 12. Hold on. Sorry, we got a little thing worked out. How much time I got? Thank you, brother. Verse 12. He coming back from vacation. (laughs) At this time, the king of Babylon and a bunch of people sent letters to check out what was going on. You know what verse 12 was saying? People on the whole other side of the world done heard what happened right here. I'm not saying this is what happened. But I'm going to stand right here real close. And I'm going to tell you, might it be that the shadows on the whole other side of the world got shrunk up a little bit too. Right? And all them Babylonians was like, what the heck just happened? And you know, they like good gospel people, right? So they spread rumors fast. So they said, I also heard that Hezekiah got healed. And one of them Babylonians was smart enough to say, you know what? If he got healed and the shadows was getting shrunk up, they must be related. Let's go over there and check it out. So they make this journey and they check it out and they figure out what's going on. Before I, before I get in to this next little problem Hezekiah got, I need to ask you this. Is your life displaying enough power to encourage others to come check it out? You know why you invite people to church sometime and they don't come? Because you ain't got no power in your own life. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're driving a slow truck and you try to recommend somebody going to the same place to tune your truck, ain't nobody going there. Your truck too slow. Or if your truck ain't lifted high enough, ain't nobody going wherever you recommend. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you got to go. You got to give somebody something good enough to make them want what you got. Does that make sense? Like you, you don't see nobody looking at a scrawny fella and saying, hey, man, what gym you go to? <laughs> Which is my favorite, by the way, because people be thinking like if you just go to the same gym they go to, you get the same thing they got. No, you got to put in the work they put in. You know what I'm saying? Like that gym could be at the house and you just ain't putting in the work. Right. But, but there's so much going on that people across the world come check this thing out. So I asked you in the beginning, have you ever been desperate enough to admit you need a change? I, I guarantee it. If you, if you ain't, it's coming. So if you couldn't answer that, just know it's coming. Right? But here's the thing. How would you handle the change God wanted to bless you with? How would you handle the blessing God blesses you with? I'd love to tell you it keeps going good for Hezekiah, but we all know we got some stumbles and holes in the credit report too, right? Second Chronicles 32, 31, even in the matter of the envoys, those people that were coming and the rulers of Babylon, when I, when I sent them to inquire the wonder that had happened in the land. What's the wonder? I'm only pointing out because everybody says they just came to check out how Hezekiah got well. But they ain't asked a question about Hezekiah's physicians. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that's what they're coming to check out. Right. Their questions about other stuff. So I think the wonder might be the timeline. But anyway. Right. Or the, 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 the sun. God left him alone. Ah, you hate that second little section, right? God left him alone only to test him. So that he might know what was really in his heart. He's like, Hezekiah, you gave me a good credit report. I blessed you with something awesome. Now I'm going to send you a test. Understand this. The test comes right after the notes. Right? Right, right, right after. Always. Oh, wait, that teacher ain't get up there and teach all week long and equip you all week long and get you ready all week long not to test you at the end. And that's God. God blessing him. I had a teacher one time not to, not to tell on him any. 
they would literally go over the test the day before. I'm talking about the exact test. You took notes. You was making an A. You didn't take notes. We laughed at you. Seriously. That's how easy it was. But we always knew the test was coming right after that. Test comes after the preparation, right? So, so God tells them, I'm leaving you alone with them so I can see how you do. And you got, you, you, you got to understand now. They come in to check out the land. They come in to check out what's going on. Hezekiah's world famous. Hezekiah's a nobody in the world. Judah's tiny by comparison. Assyrians, Babylonian, they're, they're making a Babylonian, especially making a big rise, right? So when the big dogs come over to your house, it makes you feel kind of special. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like when the Nitto rep comes to Little Old Bill's Enterprise. I'm serious. And he looks around and he says, where's y'all's other store? My favorite line ever. What do you mean, where's my other store? Well, the numbers y'all turning don't match what I'm seeing. Brother, this is it. This is all we got. Wow. When you can make the big dog say, wow, it makes you feel a little good. You know what I'm saying? And that, that, that's Hezekiah. The big dogs come over and they start making you feel a little good. But that's just the start of his problem. Right? Many good men have been corrupted with a little bit of fame. Many good men have been corrupted with just a little bit of head swelling. Right? And it says, Hezekiah, listen to them. <laughs> I still think 13 makes him the dumbest person in the Bible, even though I love him. Right? He listened to him and he showed him all the treasure of his house. The flattery had gone to Hezekiah's head. What really cracks me up, let me read the rest of 13 first. Right? He gave him an opportunity to show off. Hezekiah listened to him. He showed all the treasure of his house, the silver, the gold, the spices, uh, the precious oil, the house, his armor, everything that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in this house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah didn't show him. He's soaking up all the flattery he can get. And to make matters worse, if you go back, that, that's incredible. Right? If, if you go back to Kings, when Isaiah says, what did them want? Is a guy so dumb, he says, they wanted to see all our toys and I showed them. He's excited about it. Like he's still missing it. He's like, I, I showed them everything. I showed them all the gold. I showed them where we kept the good stuff. I showed them where we kept the bad stuff. Sold them everything. Isaiah's scratching his head, you moron. This is the king you blessed me with, Lord. Right? You know, you know what I'm saying? That's what he's got to be thinking, right? So here's the warning. It's easy to receive the blessing of God and then make it all about you. And I'm talking about in all areas, even good areas, right? It's easy to be blessed in life, prosperity, family, salvation, even a church. Right? Get a good church. Your comforts, your needs, your glory, it all becomes about you. We're so worried about what the church can do for us. We forget the church is supposed to be doing something for other people too. Right? Are you using your success to give God the glory? I'm talking about every area. Not, 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 you good athlete? Give the Lord credit. You did something cool? You got an ability? Give the Lord credit. Man, this gift come from God. This is His. You, you got a great marriage? People ask how you get it? Man, let me tell you what Lord did. You raising good kids? Tell me how you did it. Right? The, the Lord allows to, right? It, it, and give to God, give God his credit. Hezekiah, he's not evil and he's not in trouble for murder, idolatry and other stuff. He gets in trouble because he refuses to give God the glory. That's what he's in trouble for, right? He did, he, he, and that's a lot of us. We pass the test of adversity, but we fail the test of prosperity. We, 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 we can pass the test when something's hard, but when life is good, that, that's when we fail a little bit. That's when we skip church more. That's when we quit hanging out. That's when we quit studying the word. That's when we quit praying. 
right? You want an ouch moment, as Vody says? The moment of adversity, we turn to God. The moment of prosperity, we turn back to ourselves. That's ouch. Right? To, to, to prove it, it goes even further. Second Chronicles 32 again. That's the parallel chapter, by the way, for you note takers. In those days, Hezekiah came mortally ill. Now we're getting our timelines wrapped together. He prayed to Yahweh the Lord and he spoke and Yahweh spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received because his heart was proud. Therefore, God's wrath and judgment had to come on Judah and Jerusalem as well. They tell it, it fills in the gap. God gets mad because what? He didn't get the credit. God's not sharing his glory with nobody. Remember, just and what's funny is, is timeline again, just a chapters ago. But in Hezekiah's future, the king of Assyria gets in trouble for what? Bragging about all he did. Right. God said, well, let me show you what I can do. Right? So, so God don't God don't play with that. Right. He don't share his glory. Here, here's what it goes on to say in Second Chronicles 32, though, just so we so we get the, the, the cool part. Twenty six. However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart. Now, th- this is when you're a good leader. Now, if you, if you called to be a leader, please, please get this. Right. So, so God, God had called him and gave him a blessing. His blessing and his sign was tied directly to the ministry he was going to have. Right. What did he say? We're going to wipe out the Assyrians and I'm going to build my my kingdom, my people. Right. So here's what he did. Hezekiah humbled himself. Good leader set the example by the pride of his heart. Both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the wrath of the Lord didn't come on them in the days of Hezekiah. He set such an example that he and all his people humbled themselves also. To get back right before God. Right. You understand that? Like you. Sometimes as, as somebody who stands out, you got to be the one setting, setting the example. Somebody got to start the revival. Somebody got to start the fire. You start the fire. I promise you the Holy Spirit flame will come on in and, and take it and run with it. Right. Isaiah came and he questioned Hezekiah and Hezekiah told him, yeah, I did all this. And then here's what he gets from from Isaiah. This made me scratch my head a little bit till I realized the response. Let me get to 19 so we can get out of here on time. Right. Uh, Maybe 19. Hold on. Yeah, 19. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, well, hold on, hold on, 18. So so some of your descendants, they're, they're going to be taken away. They're going to come. They're going to take all your gold. It's gonna be, then he even says they're going to take your descendants and turn them into eunuchs. Now, since we own a family service, let me just be blunt with you. If they become a unit, a eunuch, a unit, they ain't no unit if they're a eunuch. You know what I'm saying? They lose their unit when they become a eunuch. That's pretty good, Lord. Thank you for that. Did you get it? Everybody get it filled in so you understand where I'm at. You lose your unit. <laughs> My boys would be so proud. They're probably thinking right now, Dad, you're a moron. Because they'd be telling me all the time, Dad, you a unit. Right? And I was like, well, what unit am I on? And they'd be like, that's a good thing, Dad. You want to be a unit, right? Right? So, so you lose your unit when you become a unit. Now, here's what that means. Not, not in the, the, the kind of way we kind of think. Here's what it means for a king. That means your family line's going to stop. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you lost that, you ain't reproducing nothing else no more. You got what I'm saying? So, so what he's saying is they're going to come and take all your gold. They're also going to take your people. Which some people, by the way, no, no proof of this, but it, it does kind of line up. Some people believe Daniel and some of his people would have been some of the people taken to Babylonian from this and they would have became eunuchs. Again, not, not 100%, but it does line up very well. So it's okay to, to kind of check it out, right? So, 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 so he's got that going on and he makes that promise. And here, here's why I said it sounds weird. Yeah, you had to get that. Somebody tells me they're taking my gold, my kids, and not his direct kids, by the way. This is years later. And their stuff, I'm not going to say what Hezekiah says. Hezekiah then says to Isaiah, 
the word of Yahweh that you have spoken is good. Now, if I'm one of the people in the courts, I think he done lost his mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what do you mean this is good? I just told you they're going to come take everything from you, including your kids. When you read it the first time, and here's what some people will argue and preach now, so so please understand me. You, you make your own judgment call. Some people read it and they will preach that Hezekiah became so proud of himself that he was only worried about himself and not anybody else. I don't read it that way because of the timeline. Remember, this is what? Pre-1819, right? I also know for sure what I just read Still on the, oh, not on the screen, but can be back on the screen. Second Chronicles 32, 26. What did it say? However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart. There's no way I can read what happens later and what the word of the Lord said about him humbling his heart and me think what a lot of people's trying to preach about this verse. I don't see any pride in Hezekiah. What I see is a man who's taking his thoughts captive. Now this is big, guys. Because here's what he says. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, Spokesman for the Lord. The word of the Lord that you brought is good. Everybody scratches their head. This cat is quack. Right? Isaiah himself is wondering. For here's what he thought. Why not if there will be peace and security during my lifetime? What's he actually what's he actually saying? I don't think he's actually lost his mind. I think when he says, is it not so? Some of your translations have it that way. Is it not so? What he's saying is at least at least Assyria is not going to conquer us. At least we get a few more years in the land. At least we get to enjoy a, a little bit more peace. What I see is a guy who probably just got given the worst news he could have gotten after being rescued and, and told that he's now going to live 15 more years. What I see is a guy who got a lot of bad news and he's still able to find the silver lining in it because he's got to trust in what God says. Does that make a little bit more sense now, timeline wise? I think it's true. Again, check it out yourself and study, right? I read it and I'm like, wow, like he he's literally doing what the New Testament tells about taking your thoughts captive. He's he's hearing all the bad. And he's choosing to pick out the good. Well, hold on. There's a little bit of good here. There's a little bit of good. Have you ever watch like a little kid when you when they're too little for them to have a choice on what they eat. So the mom or the daddy fixes their plate. And then when they sit down at the table, you watch what they pick off of it. Huh? You ever seen it? My, my favorite is even when we let them pick. Go, go to like uh, Sweet Frogs or something and you let them fix their own ice cream, you know, they'll sit down and sometimes they'll still pick out. I want this worm first. I want this cherry next. I want this sprinkle and this piece of chocolate. Right. You, you know what? That's what he's doing. He's looking at a plate of some stuff he might not have wanted to eat and he's picking out the good stuff because they're like, this is from the Lord. If the Lord is sovereign. Then I got a reason to rejoice because I'm submitting to him despite whatever life throws at me. And then the text wraps up, verse 20. says, well, I'm, I'm going to save 21 for next week. Verse 20 said, the rest of the events, Hezekiah's reign along with the might and how he did the pool and the tunnel. Notice they mentioned that again. That thing was found, by the way, for you people like who love where archaeology, I think it's archaeology, is that the right word? Where archaeology matches and proves scripture, 1880. 1880, they found these tunnels. Hezekiah becomes king. Hezekiah, here's, here's what I really love about it, right? After praying faithfully, he planned fervently. Because that's what he did. He prayed faithfully and then he planned fervently. He said, God, I'm going to pray about all this. And the 20 shows us again. All right, man, when that when the Syrians come, they're going to block off your water. Everybody knows that's what they do. So, so he said, you know what? They're coming. Let's go ahead and get a tunnel going. 
Let's get the water from there to us under the ground where when they block the water, they don't even know that they ain't blocked the water. Right? Like, like we got them. And, and that's what he does. Praying does not preclude prepping or vice versa. And isn't it funny? Like those two things, the best way I've ever been able to explain it enough for you to wonder about like faith and acts or acts and, and, and faith as far as like when it comes to salvation and all, is that like this foot is faith and this foot is acts and, and you just start running. You ever, you ever seen somebody run? Can you tell me which foot they started with? Huh? You ever thought about it that way? Like you're running so fast. I, I know faith preludes it. Okay, don't. Because acts without the faith is nothing and faith without the acts is nothing. So I like how James puts it. James will throw it all up, fix it all up for you where you got to think about it. right? But I love that picture. You ought to be running so fast. People can't tell which one's leading the other way, right? Get on your knees and pray like it's all up to God. Then get up and work like it's all up to you. This writer, he goes back. And he mentions this incident. He, here's, here's my point. Let, let, me, let me wrap this thing up. Here's, here's my point of what he's trying to, what he's trying to do. He, he, don't come up yet because I still got a good 10 minutes, right? But no, I'm just kidding. You come on there. But, but, but like he, he, he's writing. You need to understand this. The writer of Kings. Anybody know the, the timeline for Kings? Maybe that's kind of important for me to get where I'm going with this. That, that was at the second half of the Babylonian exile. What that means is this. You're thinking, what does that mean? I'm only telling you this. That means the writer of Kings was living in the Babylonian exile. So either he was taken from there, right? And, and the re- reason I'm pointing this out now is because why would he be writing about why the Babylonians come in? What does that matter? Because he's passionate about that because he was in exile. And he's saying, look, you knuckleheads, learn from our example. Because if you don't, this is what's going to happen. He's saying, look here, it's easy to know that you need God when things are bad, but you better make sure you know you need God all the time in the prosperity time too. Right? And, and he's writing this thing and, and, and he's summing this all up and he's trying to say, guys, you need to stay, you need to stay connected to him all the time, not just some of the time. Is John on there? Verse in John. Yeah, John 16. Remain in me and I in you just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. God, God, even Jesus is saying like, I need you to stay connected because you ain't going to produce nothing if you're not connected. Whether it's a good time or a bad time. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I am produce much fruit because you can do nothing, nothing without me. I think the writer of, of Kings is so passionate and excited about it. Because he wants you to realize your enemy might come looking like a Babylonian spy also. And Satan might be dressed up and he might come in and he might fill your head full of all kind of stuff. And you might just be dumb enough to show him everything. When he doesn't deserve the right to see anything. You ever think about that with some of your, your terminal situations? I ain't just talking about death right now. I'm talking about relationships, your spiritual walk. How often is it we open the closet and show the enemy the ammunition to use against us? Oh, let me tell you what she said. I, I'm going to confess to you guys. I don't even know if my wife knows this, so I might get, in, might get in a little more trouble, right? I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. It helps us grow. I, I realized something this week as I, as I was studying last, last night. You know, we talk about God getting jealous for glory is only his. And, and we're made in God's image, right? Right? Are we not made in God's image? So, like, we can relate to, to God's feelings sometimes and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And, all. and, and, I, and, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I... I I deserve respect. I deserve all the attention. Right? 
That's what, that's what I'm thinking as, as a man. I'm an idiot. Right? But, is that not some of the same, like, emotions that God would be having? Right? So, so he's saying, like, I want you to be aware. Doesn't he get that verse of Peter about the devil who comes around like that lion looking to sneak up on you? He, he's saying, don't lose sight of keeping me at number one. Right? Don't, don't lose sight of that because I, I, I'm supposed to be here. And, and if I get lowered at any moment in your life, whether it's good or bad, I'm giving the enemy room. So, so the part of confession is this. Like, I had had some of them feelings last night that sounded as arrogant as I just now said it out loud, right? And I messed up by speaking it. There's power in your tongue, man. I didn't mess up speaking it to her. I didn't mess up speaking it to the kids. In law, none of them. Nobody knew, right? I messed up when I went back to my little cave to finish my sermon. You know, it's bad when you mess up writing a sermon. Huh? I'm telling you right now, like, that is some messed up stuff. So messed up that I had to sit there for about 45 minutes before I could get another word on the paper because God wouldn't let me get no good fruit. Because I wasn't abiding in Him. I'm serious. I promise you. So I'm sitting there throwing my little temper tantrum, whining, and she didn't listen to me. She knew I was ready to go. She knew I had this to do. I'm going through all of it, bro, and I am saying it out loud. <laughs> Jeremiah, if you and your family heard me, I'm sorry. Right? I'm, now, again, not to her. She's not in the room. But I was dumb enough to speak it out loud. You know what I'm doing? I'm a Hezekiah. I'm opening the door to all my gold. Here I am. Here's all the stuff you can use against me. And you better believe Satan come in like a tornado. Then I elbow dropped me 45 minutes later. Hiya. Right? I did straight up. That's why we got to something we got today, right? There's some good stuff in there. But I had to learn the good stuff before I could give you the good stuff. And if you guys, Mike or Mitch or anybody who's ever prepared a sermon, it sucks learning your sermon before you deliver your sermon. <laughs> right? Am I right, man? Maybe they ain't had it. They holier to me. You know what I'm saying? Well, God bless y'all. All right? Let's pray. Father God, I love you so much. I thank you for your word. <laughs> I thank you for tough lessons sometime, God. I thank you that we're dumb. <laughs> and not thinking, Lord God, you you still got so much mercy and grace all around us. God, I thank you even as we look at Hezekiah, who was a great king, really. Especially when we look at the timeline, the actual timeline of events. He still wasn't the king the kingdom needed. And that's why you sent your son. God, I pray Lord, that we be good representatives of you. I pray that we exhibit so much power. That the people of this world come asking us what we got. And God, when they come, that we're, we're ready and equipped, Lord God, to handle it the right way. Abiding in you always, Lord God, through the bad times and the good times. Lord, I, I know you got Christian people in this nation, but that doesn't necessarily make this nation Christian. But God, I, I know, Lord God, 245 years ago, that you had a plan for every person that would ever step foot here. You had a purpose, Lord God. You had a prescription. And I just pray, Lord God, that your representatives for your kingdom pull out people from this kingdom. 
God, do we not let a season of blessing, a land of prosperity, block us from our ultimate need of you? And God, I just pray that we can set that example for others to follow and seek out in our daily lives. Lord, open our eyes to see where we have been relying on you. Open our eyes, Lord God, to see where maybe we took the reins back from you. Even if it was just for a little while. And God, I pray that you strengthen us enough to have the courage and the trust to know that I can let go of the reins. Because you'll take care of them. In your great name we pray. Amen.